I'm Brian Race. Ray Haynes with us coming down the home stretch of uh, this fabulous uh, teaching on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. It is the judgment seat of God. Every person will stand there. Everyone will come there for one reason or another. The best position you can ever be in at a judgment seat, of course, is probably be the judge. But if you can't mm-hmm. be the judge, you'd want the uh, the the living son of God, the righteous one to be standing in going, I'm going to be Brian today. That's what you want. You want him representing Mm. you fully saying, I'm not, I'm I'm not who I was. I'm going to be him today so that you can fully be judged and be found righteous and holy. Now, it's. I, I will eventually put these notes in there. I'm hopefully I'll get that today. The notes are the easier part than all of these uh, on-air breaks that we have, or these uh, moments where we talk and share about this. But and you meet up on the blog on at victory.radio where you can access these items. And it will help you because in this particular section, we're talking about the book of Revelation. And, you know, if you've read the book of Revelation, you've uh, either enjoyed or you go, I have no idea what they're talking about. What in the world? There's dragons. There's, you know, it's, how is this even, you know, there's creatures of every sort. And what is this about? Well, the picture, they call it a, a chiastic view or a chiasm. It's, you know, if two mirrors kind of face each other or you're looking at yourself in this way. The book of Revelation is built in these two pieces. It's Satan's attack and God's victory. But it's not this orderly kind of thing because it's a that's looking at each other. So the first part of Satan's attack uh, relates when it's looking at what's coming up. It, it goes all the way to the end. So the first couple of chapters of Revelation, it doesn't resolve until the last couple of chapters because it's looking at itself, right? And so as you go down, say the, from 4 to 8 rep, wraps up in 19 and 20. Chapters 8 through 11 wrap up in 15 and 18. And the reflection of chapters 11, 12, and 13, well, that's pretty much all in chapter 14. So they're, they're kind of looking at each other. And in order to understand that, you kind of have to get a sense of what's going on and what the story's about and look at it in the big picture. Because, again, these feasts that we're in right now, you have the Feast of Trumpets we just celebrated. You have the 10 Days of Awe. The Trumpets is the first day today or tonight, tomorrow, will be the Day of Atonement, the 10th day. So these 10 days, that's Revelation. That's the whole thing right there. You have the Tribulation right in the middle there. And you come here, you have, it's possibly, we don't know, a possibly a 10-year period here. You know, you have seven years of Tribulation. We, we have that pretty clearly in the Bible. But these other pieces here, does it all kind of wrap up into 10 days? Who knows? I, I believe probably it does. But at, at this point, at least, we're looking at the Day of Atonement, the Day of Judgment, and how long that lasts and what's involved in that. So as you look in Revelation, chapters 1 through 13 are Satan's efforts to destroy God's people. Those first uh, couple of chapters, the church on earth struggles against the attacks of the enemy, and God sends his word to the churches. We're certainly in that place. In chapters 4 to 7, the courtroom in heaven assemble, assesses the candidates for eternal life, begins sealing and protecting its soldiers, if you will. Then chapters 8 through 11, God steps back and lets the chaos reign. From 11 to about 13, it's Satan's war, the dragons and the beasts. That's what you definitely don't want to be a part of. And then as it flips, you have chapters 14 through 22 through the end there. It's God's 
ultimate victory over sin and the devil. It's actually a wonderful story. It's not a bad story at all. Chapter 14 is that the gospel goes forth in power through soldiers and angels. 15 through 18, you have God's plagues, battles, and judgment. He's not dealing with you. He's dealing with the enemy. 19 through 20 is return, the judgment, and the millennium. 21 and 22, the church in the kingdom glorified with all things new. It is a beautiful story. You just have to turn it and put it in the right position so it makes, it makes sense. In each of these eight scenes, there's furniture and there's individuals in heaven that coincide with the Old Testament sanctuary ceremonies. So if you understand the feast and especially these 10 days, since Jesus ascended, he's been active as the high priest interceding for us. So if you can understand what happens in the tabernacle and, these, and all of these feasts, it makes a whole lot of sense and, and you can break it down pretty easily. The first sanctuary scene in Revelation 1 introduces the seven churches and Jesus is dressed in a garment down to the feet, which was the robe used by the priests in their daily ministration in the sanctuary. Jesus is walking around seven golden lampstands, which suggests the seven lamps that illuminated the holy place. The second sanctuary scene in Revelation 4 and 5 introduces the seven seals and begins with a door open in heaven. This door is the one separating the holy place from the most holy place. There is only one door. That makes it easy for you. The throne of God corresponds to the mercy seat. That was on top of the Ark of the Covenant. It's the most holy place. The third sanctuary scene, which is Revelation 7 and 8, you get the seven trumpets with Jesus taking incense from the golden altar to offer for the prayers of the saints. On the Day of Atonement, it's when the high priest, carrying a golden censer, brings the blood of the sacrifices inside the veil. This was the last opportunity for the people to afflict their souls to demonstrate the repentance and faith. The book of Revelation is the last chance for repentance during the ministry of the two witnesses. That's the first three scenes. The fourth sanctuary scene in Revelation 11 introduces the war in heaven and the oppression of the saints by the beast. The focus is on the Ark of the Covenant of the Law of God as the standard of judgment. The fifth sanctuary scene in Revelation 14 introduces this vision of the 144,000 and the three angels' messages. That focuses the throne of God in the mercy seat. When you get to the second sanctu uh, sixth san sanctuary scene in Revelation 15, you find the seven last plagues, the sanctuaries open, filled with smoke, so that no one was able to even enter the temple. And it represents when the priest left the most holy place, came out of the temple, and made a final atonement for himself and for the people. There's no longer blood, sacrifices, or the opportunity for repentance. It's what that high priest did in that moment. The seventh sanctuary scene in Revelation 19, you find the second coming of Christ, the binding of Satan during the millennium, and you have the final judgment. So to go back now, the Old Testament Day of Atonement, this corresponds to when the scapegoat was taken into the wilderness, the sacrifice was taken outside the camp to be burned, and the priests washed their clothes and bodies and came into the camp. In the book of Revelation, everything wraps up the eighth and final sanctuary scene. Revelation 21 and 22 introduces the new heaven and the new earth, where the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple with men, and he will dwell with them. It all takes place right there in the sanctuary, right there on the Day of Atonement. So the book of Revelation it looks like it's just this, ah, uh, what in the world? But in fact, 
you're just looking at, a, at the ceremonies and everything that happened with a high priest going and walking through the ceremonies in the tabernacle. The quiz on all of this, I hope, is multiple choice. Otherwise, I am in trouble. <laughs> Choose C. It's always the right answer. There's a lot here, and I think we are officially now coming down to our final segment in just a couple of minutes. Yeah, one more. When I started out, we talked about the fact that the word um, Yom Kippur is plural, ha, uh, ha Kippurim, and the question is, why is it not the Day of Atonement, but in reality it's the Day of Atonements? Hmm. And what that word means is it's a day like Purim. So we're going to take you one final look into the end-time prophecy to explain to you the, how the connection to Purim exists. And then we'll, we will have wrapped up the Day of Atonement.